I feel uh, drawn to say that um, <clears throat> it seems to me that everything uh, that is being uh, talked about in the practice that we're doing is in the service of uh, freeing the mind from, uh, from you know, confusion and, uh, and uh, the prevalence of uh, afflictive emotions and also to um, very much to gain um, more, more free access to, um, to compassion. To, so what is compassion? Is a heart that uh, resonates um, with uh, what is difficult. It's kind of an appropriate, wise response to uh, the difficult, to what is painful. So, freer access to uh, compassion, to uh, to joy, to joy in all its different uh, possible manifestations. That's that's how it feels to me uh, from the inside, not just like what I think the practice is, but how how it seems to be un- in unfolding in this being, but also in the beings that I have the chance to meet and. Uh, hear about their practice. So, so a more spontaneous, almost one to say, access to benevolence. These qualities can become uh, real good friends, allies, uh, like uh, there, and uh, easily uh, showing up easily. Benevolence, the compassion, the, the joy, and the and the, the balance of mind, the uh, equilibrium, the heart qualities, and so I want to talk about the specific kind of um, delusion, confusion that we have. I've spoke about it a lot already, I think, but can continue maybe to talk about this very specific uh, delusion that we might have. You have to check it out for yourself. And um, and I'm talking about it not as an intellectual trip, but in, in the service of uh, liberation, of freeing some space in the heart, mind, um, and, and uh, so, so see, we'll see how it lands in you. Um, so a few weeks ago, um, somebody sent me a link of um, in the museum in Lausanne. Um, there's um, there's now there's a, an exhibit or there was an exhibit uh, on the theme of consciousness. And uh, I didn't get to see the exhibit. I didn't have time while I was uh, passing through the, the town, the city. But somebody sent me a link that they found on the internet where you could uh, go in here. Um, I think it was 10, 10 or 12 people having little um, 
snippets of their point of view on what consciousness might be from different fields of uh, research and uh, and um, uh, my mind sometimes plays little tricks on me it wants to comment on something <laughs> so I can hardly resist it's really hard to resist but I, I noticed while I was listening I was really interested in noticing that there was uh, there was uh, ten uh, male and two female speaking on, uh, on, on this and uh, maybe because it was Switzerland it was also very Eurocentric anyway so I thought we don't have a complete circle here I like the, the way it's presented is a circle you know, with, with different voices and I thought the, the circle is is an omelet it's <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> so, like a full vision but partial vision. Anyway, it was interesting uh, for me to consider some of the things that were said, uh, even given what I just uh, said. And so there was uh, one uh, botanist, botanist who was uh, presenting uh, one maybe Eurocentric presentation of uh, the consciousness of plants. And um, again, I take all this as... Um, of juice for research, for to, for you know, to stimulate the, the exploration, and so this botanist was saying that uh, plants don't have a consciousness of themselves. They are not aware of themselves, but they are aware of the environment. So then, it's known because the roots will always go down the earth, following gravity. And uh, you know, flower will find the sun or go towards the sun, and sometimes bear fruit uh, in the shade, humid place where uh, you know. And so, so really high consciousness of its environment, but no consciousness of itself. And I thought, oh my God, that's the opposite of a lot of human beings. <laughs> really conscious of themselves, you know? <laughs> not very much of the environment around them. Uh, so there was the first presentation. And then there was another one uh, where um, there was a biologist presenting, uh, saying that uh, some uh, species of uh, monkeys are, it's known that they're conscious of, uh, of that there's some consciousness representation of themselves. Uh, and the way the, the biologist was describing this was saying, so we see um, uh, one of the monkeys um, just walks, grabs a, a rock of a certain size, then walks a little bit more and grabs some nuts and then walks a little bit more and find a bigger rock they use as a base to open the nut and feed themselves. And from that, the conclusion was, uh, the idea was that this was not haphazard. It was, uh, there was a kind of a plan, there was a seeing of oneself, you know. You know, oh, I'm going to grab a rock. You know, and it's extremely useful for survival that there is a representation of oneself. 
and in order to feed oneself. And, um, and it made me think how how we've gone overboard, overboard. Do you see what I mean? So, so this representation is, is doesn't exi- doesn't exist except as a representation. It's just a, a tool for feeding oneself. And when I think of myself, it's like I I grab the rock. You know, I have this plan. Like I'll grab a rock, I'll grab a carrot, I'll grab the knife, I cut. But then I get got lost in the representation. I don't know if you recognize, you know, what does this representation looks like? You know, and what you know, and suddenly there's a hundred things about this representation. This sim- I get, I cling to it. I believe in it. You know, it's just a projection in order to organize reality. But no, I believe in it. It exists. I actually dismiss immediate experience a lot for the representation. I'm actually I'm adoring the representation. I adore to hate it. Is one of the things I like to do about it. I adore to project it in things that will never happen to it. You know, I'm fascinated about how they how other represent it for themselves. You know, and so there's something that went out of balance with that representation, it's, it's uh, outside its usefulness, it became a fascination, an obsession. I don't know if you recognize something in there. So to me, a lot of the practice is to, uh, to actually recognize that there's a construction, a representation, and use it for certain purposes, but drop it. No! What do you mean, trumpet? How dare you? I'm not coming back tomorrow. <laughs> you know? Um, so in that, uh, in that, these presentations about the consciousness, there was a Charles Genoux, who's a teacher I, I teach with sometimes of this, in this tradition, and Charles was saying something like, uh, consciousness is a, an, an alive experience something that can only happen now, that can only be lived. And because we uh, are conceptual beings, we conceive things. And uh, the rapport with things is outside. We created the I, like a, a representation of consciousness. And, and we started believing in it. So something similar to what I'm saying. You know, like uh, I think he's saying, the eye can't see the eye, so it makes an image of the eye. You know, the eye, this eye, but also this eye similarly. You know? And and then it uh, keeps thinking about it. And so it, it's it's, uh, it's there's a lack of balance. And so in practice, we are invited to become aware of this. And the Buddha expressed similar things when he, uh, somebody said you say I I love this little bit in the, in the text where somebody says you, you, you say I do you, do you say I you're a wise being do you say I and the Buddha says I say I we wise being we say I but we know the limit of that language we're not fooled we're not confused we're not in ignorance we're, we're, we're Wisdom, we know 
it's a representation. It's a symbol. It's made up. So we say I, but we know the limit of that language. So why would I be talking about this? Because we're so enamored, or clinging, is another way to say it, with this representation, that we're freaking out about it. What's going to happen to it? You know, it's going to die. That's unacceptable. You know, so there's been there's been a mistake happening, and it's a small mistake, but it creates a lot of suffering. And in a way, you could say it's a huge undertaking to clarify that wrong view. Joseph Goldstein, I was talking about him earlier, even created a little character to represent it, like to turn it into something that makes him smile. Wazam will be. He said, for a while, every time you would think, I will, I was, I will be, you would think, oh, Wazam will be. (laughs) Just appeared in the mind. You know? And to help clarify one little tool, technique to help clarify, that, honey, this is a representation, this is a made-up thing, this is a generation of the mind. The real experience is happening here now, and it's much more mysterious than that little symbol that you made in help, uh, love to hate, you know, or whatever else. You do with it. Mm-hmm. We do with it. And so sitting here, for me, is a lot of clarifying this. It's not the only thing happening, but it's a certain amount of what's happening is clarifying that I get easily infatuated by a little something that was created in the mind and that, yeah, there's an obsession about And the worlds that we create, you might not do this so much with I, although I think we're all subject to confusion around that. I haven't met many people who have uh, a lot of clarity around this. Um, But the worlds that we create sitting here, I'm amazed at how self-sufficient we become, and of course, of course, You know, we're sitting here and we create worlds. And it's conditioned. You know, we were talking about this earlier, how it's conditioned by the outside world and what, what it tells us. But here there's an inner work that we can do. It doesn't fix everything. I'm not saying that there's no outside intervention, of course. There's a lot of work to do. But as we sit here, there's a lot of detoxifying that we're doing. Um, And to me, that's where the portal starts to open to, uh, you know, create more space, more, uh, not be uh, overpowered by the powerless. That's from the text, more from the commentaries, I think, but still, 
Like the first time I read this, it was so insightful for me. How a human being can be overpowered by the powerless. An image in the mind, and I can be destroyed internally. You know? And it's something absolutely evanescent. But it's unrecognized as such. That's what we come here to clarify. You know, here is the... There's a mistake, mistaken view. My friend Anushka is going to come here, I think, in a couple of months to do a retreat like this. I love her teaching. She really has good dharma to offer. I hope you'll be able to come. Um, I think it's last year, a couple of years, last year she, uh, she did a little exercise that I thought was so revealing. She, uh, just to show the level of confusion. So I, I like to do it regularly to see the amount of confusion. So she was inviting us to think about our, uh, our shoes or boots. Or, and they might be just behind, uh, underneath you or on the other side over there or somewhere. So she was, uh, she was saying, think about your shoes or boots. And she was saying... These are not your boots or shoes. This is a thought. And I was uh, co-teaching with her. I was sitting next to her. And in my mind, I was like, oh, these are my boots. <laughs> <laughs> and she was saying, these are not your boots. These are, this is a thought. It looks a little similar. This <laughs> One confused being can easily be mistaken. <laughs> you know? But they're not the same at all. One is a thought, the other one is the thing. You know, is, is another event, another experience. Be careful not to make the two the one, you know. One is a representation, it's not the thing. Or it's a thing in itself, but not the same thing. Do you follow what I'm saying? And I was sitting there, I was like, no, these are my boots. <laughs> and uh, thinking, oh my God. There's a lot of uh, attention to bring to reality, you know, to phenomena as it's happening. I'm easily confused. So if I do this with my boots, what about my future? What about my past? You know? What about what I think somebody think about something? You know? I mean, the field is wide open. And so, uh, it takes a lot of time to, to do this clearing up of the confusion. But I think in there, there is a lot of the freedom can be found. So going from chaos to clarity, I think that's the title of a Dharma book. But that's what we're doing here. We sit here and we just attend to reality in the best way we can. And these things are revealed slowly. How, you know, I start to debate with events that will happen as if they were there, you know. And suddenly, at some point, it can become clear that it's a mirage. Oh my God, so, so uh, clarifying. 
to see how the mind uh, get entranced easily, believe in the spell, you know, and how we can get disenchanted in a very positive way, you know, disenchanted uh, with uh, things and freed, freed from the spell. And so after this, I think when we start clarifying things, that's where the heart can come. The compassion, when the mind is mistaken and is clinging, attached to the story, and the, to be very, uh, not judgmental, not um, cynical, or I don't know what else it could be, you know, but uh, careful, tender, very tender, of course. Of course, that's in the human experience that we get confused. There can be joy that comes in there. And after we can, uh, it seems like it's, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, it can be easier to pick up things again with more balance, with more uh, wisdom, with more creativity, with less, uh, with less uh, in, uh, fused, identified. So there's some <coughs> space. In, we're, not, we're not believers in all of our thoughts, you know. And so we can play with this, um, these two levels of reality. That's how it was presented earlier. Two levels, two kinds of realities. You know, there, there, is, uh, there is no self and there is a self there. You know, it, both are real in a way. And we can navigate between the two, not, not uh, the conventional world. You know, and uh, something that is touching more on the ultimate. Um, So what's uh, challenging in this uh, practice, like the, I don't know if a technique is the good word for it, but for lack of a better word, in this art of practice, in this, is um, what is challenging partly is that um, we have to soak in the confusion and uh, kind of infuse it with uh, curiosity and uh, we have to soak in the, in the confusion and all the afflictive emotions that come with it. You know, the shame and the fear and the loathing and the doubt and the, that's what it's coming with, all this. It's not benign. It's, uh, it seems like it's at the heart of the suffering that will come. 
And so the, the, the technique, I'm sorry about this word, is actually to sit there and notice, notice, notice. It's, it's not, uh, okay, I hear your talk, I'm not going to you know, be confused anymore. It's, it doesn't work like this. We sit here and these representations come and we believe in them, we get, uh, we get entranced. But uh, through the instructions or uh, uh, knowing by ourselves what the technique is, what the, we become what's happening, what can be known, what is actually happening in reality. Thoughts are present, are present. There is imagery passing by. That's the waking up. We wake up to the, the imagery. And slowly we get to understand, oh my God, it's just imagery. So not easy. Also by uh, staying, by staying, the way it reveals itself is also by its flickering nature that is revealed. The appearance and disappearance of the narrative self, the self that is described, we'll see it appear and disappear. And you know, we're sitting and uh, the bell rings and then, I don't know, we stand up and we see other beings suddenly and then the social self appears. Do you see what I mean? You know, kind of, what do I look like? How am I perceived? Am I, what, you know, how am I evaluated? You know, I don't know how. I'm putting words that probably don't appear exactly in this way, but something, some anxiety of that level, you know. Do I look like somebody who knows what they're doing? Or, I, I don't know what I'm... I'm uh, trying to put words to things that are often undefined exactly, you know. But the social self appears. But we also see it vanish. But just in the seeing it appear, we notice that it was inexistent a few seconds ago. I find it extremely powerful with the moving from sitting to walking, back to sitting, back to walking. You know, I'm walking outside, and there's just the stepping, the stepping, the stepping, and suddenly... I stop and lift my head and suddenly I exist in a different way because there's a being that might be looking at me, you know? And before there was no social I, there was just maybe intimacy with the stepping. But suddenly there's like, am I doing this right? <laughs> I notice the appearing nature of this. And so noticing the appearing nature of it shows me that it was not always there. It also shows me its stressful nature. It's the portal that is opening to compassion. Oh, wow. So not easy to be a human being. <laughs> you know, you never know if you fit or not in the tribe. You know, never too sure. And so, if this is how it appears to you, or... There might be other experiences, of, of course. You know. 
and then it vanishes. Or, I don't know, I lift my head, I see people, I see that I'm walking, and I happen to be walking gracefully. <laughs> and suddenly there's a, another social self, the one that really deserves to be on stage. <laughs> I see it appear. So it shows me something. Maybe not right away. The first time I just believe in it. You know, I don't know what I'm doing, or I know better than others. <laughs> Any version of it, you know. But with time, and the way it's uh, explained in the text is um, as if there was a boat tied to a um, pier, a duck, and there's the rope happens to be touching. Like, so there's a, the boat and the stick here and the rope happens to be like um, what? Rubbing. rubbing yes so rubbing against the, the side of the duck and so every time I see this social self appear with mindfulness this is high quality presence that's why we want extraordinary presence We don't want to be habitual. Habitual means we believe it. We just are born like this. You know? Now we're bringing a new thing in the equation, is the wakefulness, the being conscious. And so it's rubbing like this. And the insight is when at some point, you know, with the number of scenes of this appearing, disappearing, at some point something understands. It's a magic trick. It's not absolutely real. It was just extremely convincing. But now I've seen the trick so many times. I've clarified this for myself. So do you see the na- The insight is uh, sudden, but also progressive. It took many, many scenes of the impermanent, ephemeral nature of an arising. And so, but in the progression, there's still wisdom to be gained and freedom to be gained because I can start to have tenderness instead of believing or rejecting. I don't want to feel this. I'm never going to go on a retreat again. I don't like when people look at me, you know, something like this. But no, we can allow this to happen and to hold it with tenderness. Or maybe humor later or at a different time, you know. Oh, of course. Of course this arises. So that's just one example. But there's many ways that it will show. You know, the I identified with the body. If we practice long enough and pay attention, gather the, the mind in this way, where it's both, um, the, it has composure. What I mean by composure, I hope it's the right word to use here, but is a, I mean a certain amount of calm and non-reactivity and kind of staying power, concentration, unification. So I gathered this around the world, the word composure. So there's some calm, non-reactive staying, plus some interest for reality and how it's perceived or organized or created, how one thing leads to another, something like this, this real interest for basically suffering, how it's created. You know, confusion, how it's created. And so when the conditions uh, are right, uh, we start to see. And we'll see, you know, 
there's just hearing happening and suddenly there is my knee. And we see that sometimes there's, it's not always my knee. There's, there's a kind of ownership that can come in, you know, or my opinion, my idea. You know, some thoughts land there that don't seem so personal, and then one lands and it's my opinion or my thought. Do you see what I mean? I mean, it takes time. It's in sitting that we start to see, oh my God, this one is me thinking, this one is, this thought is not me thinking, it's imposed on me or, or landing there. And we start to see that the, the identification is playing, is transforming with every event. Do you see what I mean? So I, you know, there's, there's just a feet there, a feet until I knock it. Then it's my feet. You know, how these things are pretty subtle, but the identification with the, the body, you know, uh, I can see it appear and flickering also, the identification with the body or with um, pleasure or displeasure or with thoughts or emotions. Sometimes there seems to be. Uh, Another calm that is there, calm that is there. But another emotion—it's me. It's me. You know, it's not just an emotion visiting. Suddenly, it's me. I'm so agitated, tired of being agitated. I don't want to be agitated. It's not agitation. So it changes. But we have to be attentive and see how how it's perceived. The different mirage or ways that it's. Uh, and then slowly we clarify how fluctuating it is. And so we become aware of the, this thing about representation or appropriation of uh, what is uh, naturally occurring. It's not easy, but apparently it's uh, doable <laughs> and worth doing for oneself and others. I have a friend, she's really good at uh, feedback, receiving feedback. So good. Like I, uh, you know, in, in the work, in the work that we do together, you know, sometimes, uh, hey, I have to say like this bit was not because a little, you know, not, not so well done, not so clean. You know. It's like, oh yeah, that me. Like she doesn't take it personal. It's so beautiful, and I, I can see that there is this wisdom of not uh, this this responsibility, but not the. Uh, it's the middle path. She she avoids. It's, a, it's really an art to avoid irresponsibility. Or, you know, uh, identity, identifying guilt, or uh, do you see what I mean? She's like, oh, what was done? Oh my God, yeah, that was not well done. You're right, you know, or whatever else is the answer there. You know? Yeah, no, I can fix that. It's so clean. I can see that her practice is for my benefit, you know, also for hers too, for sure. There's a level of freedom that she experiences. She's not caught, identified with her work, 
you know, but she can really uh, be responsible. And uh, just in case she listens, it's you, Muriel. Yeah, so the freedom we offer others by the wisdom we uh, develop, you know? So if I have something to say about the work, you know, that that we're doing, I I don't, I'm not caught with fear and more, much more wanting to be really, really uh, fair and, uh, and, uh, you know, I honor her way to receive feedback, so I, I want to... It's deserving of uh, not abuse in any way. You know, it's, it's calling me to be extremely uh, uh, fair and uh, clean myself. You know? If she doesn't identify herself with the, it's very important for me to not identify her with what was done or not done. You know, and to recognize. Um, So, so these few words on practice, it's, this is pretty much, um, I, I don't know how, how you feel, how you receive it, but that's, I think this stuff is pretty deep. So it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not about uh, the technique of breathing in and out, you know, at the nostril or at the belly. It's, uh, it's really about how we perceive experience and uh, Pretty subtle, but I just can't resist talking about this stuff because I, I think we can intuit, touch, and recognize something in there. That's my sense, and it's worth it. You know, if I think like, God knows if I'm going to come back here or not. You know, like if I'm leaving something behind, I prefer it's this than something else. You know, I, I prefer to get us intrigued around that because I think it's. Tremendous what can be done in terms of inner freedom and uh, how it can be helpful for uh, others around us to help us do this inner work. I don't know if there's something we could have a couple of minutes for if somebody wanted to object or (laughs) (laughs) criticize, (coughs) question, or talk about application. <laughs> if your teacher friend does not identify with feedback that might be critical, then what does she do with praise? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, I actually haven't... You invite me to... I thought about this as I was saying it too. I have to take... I, I have to... The, so the question is about, so what does my friend do then with uh, praise? Uh, is she as good to hold it, or is it able? Is she able to take it personally? Or, I mean, we would have to ask her. But um, also, I would have to be more attentive to uh, to, to this. And um, but otherwise, from the point of view of the teachings, if I, I try it, would be um, you know sometimes the way I talk about this is uh, let's say there is generosity in this uh, that is alive at a certain moment in this being. I feel it's such a... What's the word for it? Such a a twist to give to to appropriate generosity. You know, like to recognize that there is a... 
generosity or benevolence or I don't I don't know maybe non-reactivity in a situation that is charged you know like to recognize that it's there is so wholesome inside of me inside the other to recognize that it's there but to actually take ownership of this it seems like it's it's deluded it's like I'm so generous I'm so non-reactive you know you bring me any situation just equanimity that's my name <laughs> do you see how it's something natural it's in nature it's beautiful it's helpful it's beneficial for everyone and how if one equate themselves with this I think even that it would say in the teaching that stress arises because I'm so generous do you all agree? <laughs> I hope you do I hope you saw me being generous <laughs> you know I have to promote it and defend it and fear losing it and that's that's the whole problem with appropriation you know or And so here the practice is to recognize, oh, work well done. You know? Not like, oh, am I going to continue to do well? Do everybody think I've done well? Oh, this was well done. It's a real source of joy. I think it's in the one of the forms of happiness that the Buddha describes. The work well done. You know, that we can actually re rejoice about it, but not own it, not... Uh, get mistaken about it. Do you see? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, sorry, I think I'm totally lost. Um, the idea of representation. I've always thought it was important to have some sort of identity so that you can differentiate yourself from the whole of the rest of the world. Otherwise, you... I think you'd be completely lost. Yeah. And yet what I'm hearing is that I should be challenging these notions that I have of myself. So then who does that mean? I know. <laughs> so I'm going to try to, uh, to, to bring your voice in the microphone here with uh, saying that so you, you've always heard... Or it's, you sense maybe that it's good to have a delineated sense of self, you know, and that what I'm presenting is like blowing the whole thing up and you're not sure it makes sense. <laughs> so I'm paraphrasing really freely here. Thank you. Um, and so, so the sense I get uh, is that, uh, you know, when we're born, we're undifferentiated. I think that's what I hear. It seems to make sense the way it's been presented to me. So I don't know what is what, you know. And then if I'm, I get good parenting, you know, it's clarified for me. You know, this is your nose. This is you know, your parents' nose. This is this is uh, you know your, this is Nicholas toys toy and this is your toy, you know. And and we clarify all this, and so we get a good sense of self. Hopefully, you know, and the society reflects this to us, that it has value, and I mean, there's a lot of components in that. And so that's, that's, that's uh, in a way, what we could present as a psychological well-being. So there's an egoist form, and it's well-formed. And so we can congratulate, you know, parents and society, and everybody's contributed well, you know. 
and so it's well formed and then then uh, that's psychological well-being then we come to a meditation retreat <laughs> and then suddenly we say hey my love we're gonna continue the exploration you did really well now maybe it's not exactly your hand like we've said all along maybe it's you know so it's 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 going a little further we're not going back to the first stage the first it's we're go, we're going a little further and we're recognizing that it's good to have good boundaries to know to have a well a sense of self well defined now that it's done let's question it a little bit you know is it really your body it's yours in the sense that you decide who touches it and in many ways it's yours but ultimately can it really be yours it belongs to nature it's it's going to be very clear at some point it's aging in nature and nature will take it back you know and emotions are they really 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 absolutely yours they're happening in this field here and not there you know but um, are you still there when the emotion is gone Uh, do you have control over it? If, if something is really yours, you would, you know, be able to put it there or there. Or, and no, you know, sometimes you want to be calm, but it's not calm. Is it really yours? You don't have any control over it. Right? Very little. Do you see what I mean? Or a thought. You know, if I have a thought that crosses my mind and my thought is um, is cruel, and I'm identified that's defining me as a cruel person that's a big problem in meditation what's liberating is that instead of having the lens of um, mine or not mine me or not me or i or not i it's uh, more like is it helpful or not it's another way to live and so if a cruel thought comes up then i can recognize that's it's enjoyable i hope you pay because you put your shoes Where mine were, <laughs> you know, there's a certain kind of joy to it. You know, if somebody's really honest and it appears like a pleasant thought, then one can recognize this and say, well, and also it's kind of cheap, kind of joy, you know, potentially very dangerous. So we're not going to entertain this thought, you know. So I don't have to define myself by it. Rather, I become conscious. That's the work of being conscious, the conscious being. So, you know, so if somebody says to me, Pascal, you lacked uh, concern when you said that, that was, uh, you know, harmful in the way you say that, if I'm all identified with being a good person, I'm like, no, 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 I just mean well, and, and my intentions were good, and, you know, and then nobody's heard, and there's no learning, and, you know, but if somebody comes and says there was a lack of concern, and it was harmful what was said, and I'm not so identified, I can say, oh, tell me, how, 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 my God, totally right, this was not well done, this was not well said. I don't have to define myself by it, I can recognize that mistakes do happen, confusion is rampant, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and in this way, you know, it can be uh, freed, and... Uh, And it's probably easier for everybody if there can be an ownership, like a, not ownership, but responsibility. Try to, language is tricky here, but do you see a little bit? 
Also, I mean, if I'm totally identified, I'm really fearing death and so many other things, you know. That's deep stuff I'm talking about. Like, I don't want to say, like, oh, yeah, well, let's get rid of that one, you know, that fear. It's not like this. That's apparently might take lifetimes. So, okay. So maybe that's enough words for now. So let's just take a moment and see what's the inner experience, what's the state of the body here. Just notice... So this is uh, what's happening right now. It's like this. Inside oneself, in the body. Can it be okay? Just for now, that it took this form. Can it be allowed? Can it be known? the middle path of consciousness, being conscious, mindful, awake to what's happening, not trying to get rid of it or get more of it, not lost in it, awake. The body's like this, maybe tired like this, or uncomfortable like this, or is full like this. And the heart mind is like that. It might be a word, exhausted, or quiet, touched, fed up. There might not be a word, just an experience. find uh, great freedom with all the movements of the heart, heart and mind. We find clarity, freedom, and we may we be able to offer protection and freedom.
it's an interesting little moment here. So we'll do a walking meditation for maybe half an hour. We could come back here, um, maybe 25 past, and do a last sitting metta practice benevolence. Uh, yeah, so notice many of you will suddenly have the idea to stand up. <laughs> That's personal or conditioned in some way, like really totally related to the circumstances. Is that really isolated, me deciding to stand up, or is that a little conditional to the situation? How dare you? <laughs> Question that. Okay, thank you. Oh yeah, I see something, sorry. So walking meditation or practice discussion in front of the hall for retreatants, that family name, I guess, start from uh, A to uh, G. So if your family name starts with an A to G, and you want to participate in more conversation, please do so. If it's time for you to be in silence, walk, or refresh yourself in some ways, please do this. <laughs>